morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, January 24th. On this date in 1848, it was a discovery that rocked the nation. James Marshall discovered a gold nugget at Sutter's Mill in Northern California. That discovery led to the gold rush of 1849. And on this date in 1984, Apple Computer began selling its first Macintosh model. It boasted a 9-inch monochrome display and a clock rate of only 8 megahertz. The Mac has certainly come a long way since then. And here's your hump day trivia question. On this date in 2013, President Barack Obama's defense secretary, Leon Panetta, announced the lifting of a ban that involved the military. What was unbanned? I'll have that answer coming up, but first, it's time to check in on your first alert forecast. Good morning, everyone. Meteorologist Chris Holtzman here. Looking at our forecast for the day, we're starting out with some fog and temperatures near 60. We warm into the 70s for the afternoon. We will be mainly cloudy. A couple of showers will be possible from time to time, but not expecting widespread activity. Temperatures for the day once again in the 70s. Future Tracker shows a couple of spotty showers as well as I just mentioned, but we are tracking a higher rain chance as we head into uh, the end of the week. For tonight, temperatures are near 60, and our seven-day forecast shows rain chance will go up on Friday as the front approaches. Temperatures still in the 70s. In fact, we're in the mid to upper 70s on Thursday and Friday. Into the upcoming weekend, another front will approach. We'll have highs near 70, but notice early next week, temperatures will be in the 50s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Charleston County Coroner's Office is expanding its programs and technologies to keep up with the growing population. Our Melissa Rademacher shares what's in the works, including a new partnership. A new morgue featuring a CT scanner, a five-year partnership with the CDC to study child death reporting, and continuing to pilot toxicology detection machines. Those are all things the coroner's office is stepping into this year. Charleston County Coroner Bobby Joe O'Neill says her office is a part of the public health sector and therefore needs to be on top of new technology and quick and accurate with the tracking trends. She hopes that the soon larger morgue and partnerships with the CDC can contribute to preventative work based on their findings, especially in the realm of assessing how child deaths are reported and investigated in the research partnership that starts this month how we can improve child death reviews, not only in Charleston County, but our neighboring five counties, and then how we can take that information and share it uh, timely and with good quality to the National Center, which is where all fatal child death information is uploaded. And that hopefully will help us look at how we investigate, be able to provide better answers for families and better statistics that we can look at ways to prevent child deaths from happening. O'Neill reminds people that her office is also a certified Narcan distributor, the overdose reversal medication, and people can contact her office with questions about getting a supply or help getting opioid addiction resources. In Charleston County, Melissa Rademacher, Live 5 News. The Union Peer Team wants to hear from you about what you would like to see happen in the planning and design process of the nearly 65-acre project on Charleston's Peninsula. And there will be two workshops happening this week, and it'll give you the chance to hear from the lead design consultant. Live 5's Destiny Kennedy joins us live in Charleston at the Riley Center for Livable Communities. So, Destiny, what is different about these workshops compared to past ones? Katie Shelby, they simply want to know 
what is your vision for the future of Union Pier? The primary purpose of these workshops is to bring the community back into the planning and design process so that you can co-create with them. Union Pier is located on the eastern portion of the peninsula and runs along Washington and Concord Street, close to the South Carolina Aquarium. At these workshops, the Union Pier team, along with the lead design consultant and their partners, will break down the history and characteristics of the project. You'll also get to review several different categories for the project, like residential, commercial, and green spaces, and share your opinion and ideas. The design team will not have predetermined plans for the site because organizers tell me the goal is to have a broad community conversation. They will help them get to, that will help them get a understanding of the community's priorities moving forward. Take a look at your screen. The first workshop is this evening from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Camden Room at the Charleston Visitor Center. The second workshop is on Thursday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Author C. Christopher Community Center. These workshops are free and open to the public. I spoke with Fred Muro, the lead design consultant with Sasaki. He explains why he hopes to see younger community members participate in these workshops. They're the ones that are going to live with whatever happens at Union Pier for a long time. So I think they have a real legitimate stake in the game here because they're the ones that are going to be around longest. If you're unable to make it to these workshops, the Union Peer team will be back in March for the next set of workshops. Reporting live in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Thanks for that update, Destiny. The city of Charleston is finalizing contracts for the final phase of the Battery Seawall Repair Project. Yesterday, City Council approved two contracts worth about $20 million for construction and engineering. All that remains in the project is to finish off improvements from the prior three phases. This is all in an effort to better control storm surge and flooding on the peninsula. The city says construction on the final phase is expected to wrap up in the spring of 2025. Recent accidents on Ravenel Drive in West Ashley are sparking some concern. The road runs parallel to Savannah Highway across from the Whole Foods. The Charleston Police Department says Ravenel Drive has seen 10 crashes since the start of 2022. And State Highway Patrol reported 84 accidents in that same area in that same time frame. James Pratt has lived on the road for 15 years. He tells us he doesn't think drivers care that it's a neighborhood and a residential area and they're just using the street as a shortcut. Well, I think they should know the speed limit and they should go it. I think they should know that this is a residential area and there are kids and there are old people and dogs and people walking their kids, kids on bikes. Uh, I wish they knew that. Pratt is calling on officials to install traffic monitoring devices in the area. However, speed and red light cameras were outlawed in the state over a decade ago. City officials say you can file complaints through their traffic calming program or directly to the police department if you have concerns about this road. An announcement about the Citadel's summer concert series is sparking mixed reactions from neighbors. The university plans to host six events at Johnson Haygood Stadium near the Hampton Park Terrace community. It's leading to some excitement, but also some concern. While the concerts will be bringing live music right to some people's doorsteps, other people are worried about the noise and traffic that that could bring. Meanwhile, school officials are looking forward to the series, saying it'll help build campus morale and fuel tourism. Two downtown Charleston vacation club businesses are having to pay up after failing to post required signs. 
Months after Live 5 investigates revealed the city was not enforcing the law for years, vacation inspirations and Charleston visitor information will be required to be more transparent and let customers know they are not affiliated with the city. It comes after some tourists complained they were misled into signing up for bad deals they weren't able to cancel. Vacation Inspirations has previously said the complaints do not represent its client base. Meanwhile, Charleston Visitor Information and the city attorney's office have not commented. At the State House tonight, we'll learn more about Governor Henry McMaster's top goals for South Carolina this year. At 7 p.m. in Columbia, McMaster will deliver his annual State of the State address, laying out his yearly vision and expectations. The governor is expected to reiterate legislative calls to the General Assembly and possibly unveil some new proposals. It's likely he'll focus on the expansion of electric car production and road improvements, two things he already outlines in his 2024 budget early this month. Also happening today, presidential hopeful Nikki Haley is bringing her campaign back to the Palmetto State. Haley's hosting a rally in North Charleston ahead of next month's first in the South primary. It'll start at 7 p.m. at the North Charleston Embassy Suites. Doors open early at 5.30. Admission is free. The school choice application window is now open for students at Charleston County. To make things a lot easier, the school district has launched a new way to get those applications. Autumn Klein joins us live this morning with more on what you need to know. Good morning, Autumn. Good morning, Katie and Shelby. Every year, parents have questions about how to move their student to a different school using the state's school choice policy. Parents have to apply for this transfer through an application process, which officially opened yesterday. This year, the district has made the process easier with a new button on its website that takes parents to the application process. From there, parents will need to create an account and know their child's student ID number. Depending on the school you apply for, additional testing or auditions may be required. For schools that don't require additional testing, a lottery system will be used to select students based on the number of seats available. In addition to school choice, applications for the early, lo- or early learning programs are also open. You can find a link to the school choice application right on the district's homepage under the new button labeled student opportunities. That link will also take you to other applications that your student may need for the next school year. These applications are open until February 23rd. Live in Charleston, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News. Autumn, thank you. As South Carolina tries to fix its record high teacher shortage, it's not just looking at college graduates. It's also looking to pull people with work experience from outside of the classroom. Yesterday, state senators unanimously approved a bill in an effort to make the state more competitive with its neighbors. Right now, South Carolina teachers have a minimum salary schedule partially based on experience in the classroom. The bill would allow those with work experience in a field related to the area that they'd be teaching to start with a leg up on the pay scale as long as they have at least five years of experience. These individuals are often bringing work experience, especially at the high school level, that makes them uniquely equipped to teach something. It attracts 20, 30, 40 more highly qualified individuals to South Carolina classrooms every year. That's a win for the state of South Carolina because that means 20, 30, 40 classrooms of students that have a dedicated, full-time, highly qualified teacher. North Carolina already has this in place, so supporters say it would be an important recruiting tool. After a final vote in the Senate today, the bill will move to the House for consideration. 
This week, the Charleston County School Board Acting Superintendent Anita Huggins, uh, they offered her a permanent role in the district. Now we're hearing from some board members who say how the whole process unfolded leaves them concerned. The decision came as a surprise since the district usually undergoes a search before making such an offer. Darren Calhoun II was one of four board members to vote against the offer. He says it shows there's systemic racism at play since previous candidates who were black underwent a search and rounds of interviews, but Huggins did not. Meanwhile, board chair Keith Grabowski says the situations are completely different because Huggins already knew the district's system. There's still no word on whether Huggins will accept that offer. A former Charleston County School District superintendent announced his retirement. Don Kennedy's final day with the district will be next week. Let's bring in Nick Reagan now with the latest. So, Nick, what can you tell us? Yeah, good morning, Katie Shelby. Later today, CCSD staff, they are hosting a retirement party for Don Kennedy, the former chief finance and administrative officer for the district and one-time superintendent. Now, Kennedy was elevated to the superintendent office after Superintendent Jarita Postal Waite suddenly left in December of 2021, leaving the district without a leader. During his 18-month tenure in the top office, Kennedy restructured the administrative staff and either parted ways with or fired some of the district's top employees Those administrative changes eventually led to the board making a new rule to restrict the superintendent's ability to hire and fire, which ultimately is what caused the next superintendent, Eric Gallion, to resign. Kennedy also established the district's long-term goals by creating a three-pillared approach to bridge the education gap, especially for black and Hispanic students. His vision 2027, as it was called, was to grow the number of minority students who can read on grade level by fifth grade to more than 60 percent by 2027. Kennedy says, quote, of all the work I've done throughout my professional career, serving K through 12 public education systems has been the most rewarding. I've supported students, families and educators of CCSD for nearly 10 years. And it was a high honor to have been afforded the opportunity to do so. And I'm very grateful for that. Now, Kennedy spent about 10 years with the district in total and was willing to spend even more. He applied for the superintendent position when it was opened last year, but was not selected by the search committee for an interview or as a finalist. His decision to retire was made before Anita Huggins was offered that full superintendent contract. Kennedy's last day is next Thursday. At the beginning of the show, I told you that on this date in 2013, Defense Secretary Leon Panetta announced the end of a military ban. What was no longer prohibited? You're right if you guessed women serving in combat. Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, singer-songwriter Ray Stevens is 85. Singer-songwriter Neil Diamond is 83, and actor Matthew Lillard is 54. Thanks so much for joining us for Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. Hope you have a great Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow.